0: This is Positively Farming Media. Want to be the first to try Ross Bruce Farms Experimental Series Goat Milk Soaps and be surprised each quarter by what's in your shower, but in a good way? Then My Soap CSA is for you. Choose the CSA share that best fits your soapy needs. Each month or quarter, you'll receive either two or four bars of the latest styles and scents of the season. Ross Roos Farm Goat Milk Soap is made in Bainbridge, Ohio with milk from our farm, oils and butters that cleanse and soften the skin, fresh herbs and flowers from the garden or locally sourced, natural pigments, essential oils, and fragrance oils that have been thoroughly tested for skin safety and scent longevity. I never use palm oil. Bring joy to your daily cleansing routine and get your first soap CSA box by going to rossroostfarm.com slash soap. Oh, hey there, everyone. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. I am still your temporary solo host, Bev Ross, and I'm so excited about today's episode. Uh, Today, we are going to be celebrating the spooky season with a replay of the unpenned history of the Scarecrows. And not to be dramatic or anything, but it's totally true that the historical records about scarecrows are pretty sparse, but it's full of all sorts of interesting history, fun and not-so-fun facts, and we think you'll appreciate having this scarecrow knowledge up your sleeve for this weekend's Halloween parties. Or if you're like us and don't go to Halloween parties, then you can totally bust this info out at your next work meeting, perhaps uh, on a remote work call even. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we get into today's episode, I want to say thank you to our drink peeps this episode. And they are at Kayla Woods and at Elizabeth Steves, which is at Honey Creek Homestead and at Steel O2 over on the Instagram. So cheers, ladies.
1: All right. So today we're going to talk about something historical. That doesn't actually have a lot of information. I was surprised because we were like, what kind of fall-themed thing are we going to talk about this week? And I was like, ooh, Scarecrows. Because, you know, after having this podcast for a couple of years, I had to go back and look at what we've talked about the past couple of Octobers. Because we have gotten a little seasonal the past year or so. And I didn't want to accidentally do a repeat. And I could not believe we had not talked about Scarecrows yet because it does feel a little fallish, a little farmish, a little Halloweenish. And I was like, let's talk about the history of scarecrows. And it turns out that actually, there's not a lot about it. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> sat down and wrote a book about the history of scarecrows, but we did find an excellent resource from modernfarmer.com. They wrote an article back in 2014 about some scarecrow history and facts, and it was one of the better resources that I found. So we're going to share that with you today to give you some spooky vibes and some fun facts. Yeah. So before we dive into the history, let's talk about what a scarecrow
0: is really quick. I'm sure everybody like knows what one is, but essentially a scarecrow is just an effigy of a person.
1: <laughs> yes. Like, look here me, I am out here, blah, but not really a human.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're an effigy of a spooky person, essentially, because yes. they're supposed
1: to scare.
0: Crows. Um, like. Yeah. Is it just crows or is it like all birds?
1: Well, we'll away get from into that. Crops? We'll get okay. into that a little bit because there were some fun facts about crows in here too, which Ooh, made my heart. I like happy. it. I've had a lot of crows hanging around here lately and I'm not mad about it because they're handy to have around for chicken purposes. Yeah. Tis the season for Tis crows. this the season. So, like you were saying, scarecrows are kind of there to pretend to be people, but. Actually, they were necessary because back in the day, farmers used kids to protect their crops from aerial predators. (laughs) And the kids would like throw rocks at birds and probably make a lot of noise and just do random kid stuff. Like because kids are loud and obnoxious most of the time. You know, it's what they do.
0: <laughs> they didn't even have to do anything special. No. <laughs> they just had to be kids they in the They just lived their best lives
1: <laughs> until the Great Plague. Oh. And it killed some of the poor kids that were oh. out living their best lives. So this got dark fast. But this actually <laughs> led farmers to use adults to guard their crops. And maybe adults didn't do such a good job. Or they were bored. I don't know. But as the farms grew larger... They placed those human-like effigies of Scarecrows out in the fields and thus born the Scarecrow. Its symbolism is pretty universal, but the original Scarecrows were nothing like you see now with the straw-stuffed icon of Halloween. Or, you know, the Wizard of Oz. Or the Scarecrow from the Batman movies. It's not like that. Scarecrow sometimes would bear an animal skull or rotting produce. And they were placed in the fields in the spring and were burned after the autumn harvest and celebration. And their ashes would return nutrients of potassium and nitrogen into the soil. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know it was like a spring to autumn thing and then they would burn them.
0: I think they burned them because they were afraid they would come to
1: life and murder them come Probably. Halloween. <laughs> that seems like the most logical explanation. i mean they are kind of creepy so through the ages their markers worldwide have fashioned the often maudlin looking figure to reflect images of the occult of customs culture mythology and superstitions or religion so like for me personally one of the things that i would think of because of my religious upbringing and my spirituality is kind of like the scarecrow hung with his arms outstretched on a wooden cross kind of echoes the crucifixion and it could be seen by farmers as simply the symbol of death and resurrection of their crops I don't know Yeah. but some authors that are with the website Occult View suggest that the scarecrow in addition to mirroring Christ on the cross may have originally been a severe warning A no trespassing symbol, likening it to the deeds of Vlad the Impaler, so named for his reported propensity of impaling and displaying his enemies or sacrifice, and offering in turn for fertile fields. Yeah, So it's another one of those things where it might have multiple meanings across the world. Yep.
0: And I could see how the crucifixion could be a warning also, like... They're all semi-warnings, like, don't come over here because this is what (laughs) will happen to you if you enter this field, bird.
1: (laughs) We're going to put you up here. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
0: So, like Sam mentioned earlier, there is no definitive history of the Scarecrow. No one wrote a book about it. No one thought to write it down or maybe someone did and it just got lost or the haunted scarecrows that weren't burned at the end of the season went and got rid of it because they didn't (laughs) want us to know the history (laughs) whatever it is (laughs) there are other cultures that have used the scarecrow and one of them is considered to be one of the first field gods like quote unquote and they were in japan and they were called kakashi and that was a deity of knowledge and agriculture such as kubiko who is unable to walk and just stands in the fields probably scaring the crows away
1: so neat your mug is so appropriate today, and you probably didn't even know it.
0: Yeah. I mean, after this, I'm just going to put on a flowy dress and go stand out there, and chase yeah. the crows. Can that be my job now? I yeah. do it. There you go. And American folk art historians say that scarecrows are in a class known as ephemerals, which basically just is a fancy way of saying they don't last very long. So it's yeah. art that goes away quickly.
1: Yeah. Like snowmen. <laughs> so, Like
0: snowmen. Yeah. Yeah. Or food. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So in ancient Greece, wooden figures of Priapus, a god of fertility, horticulture, and viticulture, were placed among crops as guards. Images of Norse god Odin and his ravens, Hugin and Munin have also been cited as model for early scarecrows. So no matter their cultural roots, scarecrows worldwide were conceived of the need for scaring things, period. So it can all look different across the world, but at the end of the day, it's just to scare the crap out of some things.
0: So it turns out anywhere where food is grown, something scary was necessary to chase the crows away. Yes. Basically, exactly. in a nutshell.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> with Grebly Farms Chicken Feed Fresh Packs, your flock can enjoy a farm-fresh recipe inspired by foods they naturally love. Instead of using soy or fish, Fresh Pecs Layer Feed is made with sustainably harvested insect protein, vegetables, and whole grains, which keeps your feathered fam happily nourished and egg yolks bright and creamy and every peck is rich with essential vitamins and minerals for strong feathers and eggshells, as well as probiotics to aid in digestion. Not only is Grubbly Farms Fresh Packs a great choice for you and your flock, it's earth-friendly too. Every bag recycles 35 pounds of food waste to lighten the load on landfills and reduce the emission of methane gas, and protects 10 pounds of fish from being harvested from our oceans. It's a win all around. Save 25% off your first order of Grubbly Farms Fresh Packs and everything else they offer by using code DRINKINFARM25 at grubblyfarms.com. Grubbly Farms, a superfood for pets and a superhero for our planet. And in the U.S., their name does suggest that crows are their biggest enemy. But farmers actually use them to also ward off doves, red wing blackbirds, grackles, sparrows, turkeys, and quail that all want to eat the corn.
1: Yes, (laughs) basically the sugary, sugary corn. I I don't blame them. It's
0: delicious. (laughs) So good. So a farmer's field, from planting season to harvest, actually supplies wild birds with the nutrients needed to live, which is one of the reasons why they wanted it so bad. Easy meal, lots of energy, sugar. Yeah, We've had this conversation already. And the way that crows forage is they walk on the ground looking for food in the top two inches of the soil. And along with the seeds, they eat nuts, earthworms, baby moths, or beetles. So they've got a keen eye for soil that has been turned because turned soil tends to offer up all of those yummy goodies that they want to eat. So fields are the perfect place for crows to go look for these things and they don't got to dig it out themselves. I get it. Yeah. And young corn is kind of like a mill turning stored starch into sugar and is highly sought by birds. And crows tend to forage in the fields in flocks. So they don't do this by themselves, which means they do a lot of damage.
1: <laughs> yes. And once a plant has used up its sugar, birds will depart and leave fresh green vegetation for the next fester, such as deer. So birds then return looking for munching insects. Circle of life. It's a cycle. Yes. Yep. So today, many young people may be more familiar with scarecrows from Halloween decorations than the field. Some farmers prefer to tend land the old-fashioned way. However, things like tractors and engine-driven plows kind of didn't really mean, you had to keep scarecrows up, but on a smaller acreage, you might still see see some. But for bigger places, bigger farms, sometimes the scarecrows have been replaced by chemicals and high-tech mechanisms, such as a digital scarecrow with infrared Mm. sensors that emits ultrasonic waves. So wait... We took the terrifying scarecrow
0: and we gave it lasers.
1: <laughs> yeah, we gave it we made it a robot. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. So now they're definitely going to take over. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was such a great idea, guys. No, I don't think so either, but eh, what do I know? The scarecrow has hung out in certain parts of the world though. Like Japan, rice farmers still use them and they go full creepy and use old doll heads and use store mannequins. Uh. And you might also see this in rural towns throughout Europe. But you're more than likely not going to see the hayman in the United States. You're mostly just going to see that in films, in literature. But now I kind of feel inspired. Might make my own scarecrow next year. I don't know if I'll burn it. You'll <laughs> want to make sure you put the right things in it if you're going to burn it to like benefit your land. But I feel like if I made a scarecrow, it would be full of funny things that you shouldn't burn. <laughs> <laughs> probably
0: mine would be wearing a polyester jumpsuit
1: oh good choice that's pretty scary yeah
0: that's pretty scary <laughs> one of those polyester like bodysuits, and yes. i don't know i don't know what else i could wear <laughs> old yoga <laughs> pants with holes in it <laughs> there you go
1: oh
0: <sighs> so that's really funny that the scarecrow like, as we know it, or as we picture it, essentially, is just kind of there for storytelling. Like, mm-hmm. it's not really what was actually used. So it's kind of like a like a caricature of yeah. fun life, almost.
1: Yeah, it was Hollywoodified.
0: Oh, yeah. I get it, I get it. it. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. rotting produce and cow's skulls sounds way scarier anyways.
1: Yeah, maybe we should go that route next year and... Make our neighbors really talk.
0: I hope you enjoyed revisiting this episode all about the unpenned history of the Scarecrow. For full show notes for this episode, go to drinkandfarm.com slash 216. There are going to be links in there to other spooky season episodes so that you can check those out if you'd like to revisit a handful more. And I wanted to ask you uh, before we were done for the day, to share your costumed animals with us. So post a photo or a reel on IG of one or multiple animals in costume and tag us at Drink and Farm and we'll come squeal over how adorable they are or scream in fright. Uh, And um, it just sounds like such a fun way to celebrate the spooky season together um, and get to see more costumed animals. So we would love it if you would do that. Just a few Patreon shout-outs, Angela Hollis, Tonya Harold, Kimberly Taylor, and DC Teitzel. Thanks so much for being Patreon peeps. We so appreciate you and your support of this show. All right. Until next time, drink, farm, and give zero plus. Bye, guys.
1: We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things.
0: Podcasting is about so much more than just showing up. I mean, showing up as part of it, no you, no show, but podcasting is also about discovering and recognizing what prevents you from showing up or releasing your podcast episodes consistently and fixing it in a way that recognizes you're more than just a podcast host. Is it available time, unexpected extra things flying at you from all angles, or do you need to create your podcast in a way that fits your real life? Caitlin Dubin of The Roll Woman Podcast and I have teamed up to create Positively Farming Media just for food and farm-focused podcasters so they can easily get the tools they need to set up podcast systems that will let them do just that. You'll connect with other podcasters within our niche, learn how to start and continually improve the quality and consistency of your podcast, reach more listeners, get paid for your time, and so much more. Learn more about the Positively Farming Media Mastermind by going to PositivelyFarmingMedia.com.